Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? Welcome to another episode of Audience First. I am thrilled to be on live today with two very special people, Maria Graham and Andres Andrew. Did I pronounce Andrew right? What is the origin of Andrew? So it is of northern Spain nice. origin, even though I am from Cuba. And in Spanish, it's Andreu. Andreu. Oh, spicy. Okay. We got it. I am so stoked about this conversation because we are going to go through some pretty juicy insights from RSA last week. But before we dive into the juicy details, Maria, Andres, I want to know who you are, what do you do, and why the hell do you do it? Maria, how about you? Sure. Thanks, Danny. I'm super excited to be here. I've been a longtime listener of um, the pod. So thank you for asking me. I was like super excited. Um, but um, hi, everybody that hasn't met me. My name is Maria Graham. I'm a senior account executive um, with a managed security service provider called Newspire. Um, so I sell the things. I'm a seller in the cyberspace and I do it um, because if there weren't people like me, we, we would have a hard time supporting and securing things. And I think the mission is a noble one. So I like to be a part of it in this small, small way that I can be. Andres, Man, who are you? That. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, Andres Andreu, I, uh, I've been in this industry since 1992. Um, did my tours in the government, private sector, consulted all over the world, had my own startup to exit. Now I'm a CISO at a public corporation. And yeah, I guess I'm sort of opinionated because I've been around for a bit. Love it. I love opinionated people. So this is why we're here. <laughs> yeah, Dan Danny's not opinionated at all. Not at no all. Opinion. No opinions from her. <laughs> all right. The big question. Are you fully recovered from RSA? Because I am not. <laughs> No, I have a tweak like right here in my neck that literally will not go away. I've used like the wand. I sat in the hot tub. I need to uh, do what Meryl did and go get a post RSA massage. I think I'm going to try that tomorrow. Seriously, I think um, that was the most I walked in my life. <laughs> 20K a day. I mean, I, I was an athlete and I probably walked more than I swam in my whole lifetime. Seriously, it was so much walking. So I am sore. Andres, you mentioned you weren't there the whole time. You've been there for uh, how many years before? Well, this wasn't your first gig. No, this is like, I think my 12th. Like I, I've been, I, I went there when I remember you could walk the entire vendor showroom in like 20 minutes. It took me talk about that. Like talk about the evolution that you've seen yes. over the past decade, because this was both Danny and mine's first show, right, Danny? Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, you have to go there with the right mindset. Like you have to prepare yourself, no offense to any salespeople, to hear every fucking possible sales pitch on the planet and just <laughs> go, okay, like 
sure, you can solve all my problems. I get it, you know, and just go on to the next one. And I, I, I think if you go there with the right state of mind, the right pair of sneakers, the right, you know, type of underwear, the right, uh, you know, enough <laughs> enough Tylenol, right, to, to deal with all of the what, what's going to come about, you can make it a positive experience. But, you know, back some time ago, it wasn't so much of a vendor showcase as it was really impressive speaking sessions mm. and important meetings with either vendors or partners or you know whoever would congregate within that time frame uh, i think things have been watered down quite a bit in my opinion and so i think the value has changed right mm -hmm. uh, why, why do you think things have been watered down so much over the years you know i remember the day when speakers were sought after because they were experts like you got on stage and you added a lot of value to the crowd you were in, you know you brought some expertise to the crowd nowadays people get picked because of their title and who they work for they're not experts because mm -hmm. i've sat through some sessions that i sit there and i'm like okay mm -hmm. i'm not a rocket scientist but this person clearly has no clue what they just said you could tell somebody prepared a speech for them. These are your talking points. And, you know, these are people that know how to speak publicly and they can make it sound good. They, 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 they give off a good, they put on a good show. But if you know what you're talking about at depth, you sit there and you're like clueless and just move on. And, and unfortunately, call me cynical, it might come with 31 years in this field, but I see a lot of that now. Mm. Maria, any uh, color commentary I'm there? Yeah, I'm just kind of curious, too, because I noticed um, and I, I did not know what to expect, except for to your point, wear comfortable shoes and bring a lot of blister pads, which I did. So I was my feet were good. <laughs> um, I noticed that a lot of the the people that I would and I didn't have a booth. I just went as an attendee. I wanted to see what it was about, meet up with uh, some of my friends that I haven't seen in a long time. But um, I did notice that a lot of folks that were walking the floor or were going to sessions didn't necessarily, in my brain, as somebody that's been selling in the space for over a decade, they weren't buy buyers <laughs> necessarily. No. Um, and so where were those people? Because I didn't see them in the conference itself. So what are they doing the entire time? And how do you as a vendor, like if this, if this, if they're not going to the speeches, because those have been, or the talks or whatever, because to your point, Andres, they've been watered down. Where are you going and where can vendors provide you value while at the conference? Does that question make sense? It does. And I'll give you my take on it. Everybody you see on the big show floors and even like the, the early innovator area, those are people that are there for the swag fest. Nothing more. Don't, don't kid yourself as somebody who's trying to sell a product. Um, the real buyers are in meetings or private sessions in the, uh, in the surrounding hotels. And that's where you have to go work your magic. The problem is most of the vendors, they spend the money on the booths and they don't realize that the people that can't, that have the authority to sign a check, they're not even going on the floor. I, it, just, I knew it. I, it blows my mind <laughs> that, you know, millions of dollars is blown away to the wrong audience for the wrong reasons on the expo, expo floor. But it's a double-edged sword because everything I said understand this other point if you're not there you don't exist in this industry correct it, it, it's the weirdest thing it's like don't go there expecting to you know fill your pipeline when yeah. you go back to work next week right but if you're not there then you just nobody knows who you are 
Even if you don't expo, but you're there in this, the periphery? Well, that, that comes down to how good you are at networking, right? Well, I'm really good at that. So I did a great job. Okay. So, <laughs> so you're, you're good. Maria. But you're, but you know what, my, my leader and I were just talking about that yesterday as kind of a postmortem on how the show went, what I learned, who did I meet, that kind of thing. And it's just crazy to me, you know, people are, people are saying we're in, um, we're in a recession and we don't have the money and we're, there's all these layoffs we're seeing in the industry, yet people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on these huge, crazy booths. So are we, what's, what's that? Um, and and two, like the thought was, Maria, well, were you successful? And did you achieve what you wanted to achieve by going? And the answer was 100% yes. Not because I came back with pipeline, but I came back with like meaning, meaningful connections with folks that I normally would never have had the opportunity to get a seat at the table at. They know my name now. They know my kid's name. They know where I work. They don't need anything I sell today. But now at least they know who I am and that I exist in the ecosystem, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, look at Donnie and I. We met there, right? Shout out to Mike. Chris. Right. So Mike introduced us <laughs> via email. And, you know, we were trying to get on video chat, but, you know, schedules couldn't align and this and that. And we just met up there. And, and I think she's cool as hell, not because she's on the video, but, Likewise, man. you know, Likewise. like <laughs> it, it from a networking perspective, I think it's invaluable. You have yep. to be there. Oh, but yep. what I would say, Maria, is this. It would help. I'm not a salesperson, but I think it would help if you go with sort of even if it's a fuzzy list in your head of who you want to meet up with. Right. And then literally seek those people out. Yeah. Right. Because it, to me, as as a buyer and by the way, I've been on both sides. Right. I, I invented a couple products and lived that journey. But as a buyer, it's very valuable for me to shake your hand, have a conversation with you, even if it's just five minutes. Right. Like th there's an interaction that's very personal. And that makes a difference in, in the way we perceive salespeople. How because come? I, yeah, well, because I was just going to ask. <laughs> look, there's nothing worse than a salesperson that, you know, kind of injects himself into your circle, gets you to buy something and then disappears. That's the worst. There's no mm -hmm. relationship. There's nothing. Right. So it, you may get me that one time, but don't think that me and my peers don't talk. <laughs> we, you know, because then everybody's like, yeah, no, that one, forget it just you know you're never going to see her again the salespeople i deal with i've dealt with for many years because we've established a relationship right i value their perspective and they understand my perspective when it comes to what's important to me and so i'll talk to those people anytime take a cold call or an email if i showed you how many i get it, it, it doesn't work it's just all white noise mm -hmm. yeah you said something really critical, and I'm sorry I interjected because I, I want to noodle on this a little bit longer. Perspective. A salesperson has a perspective. Maria, how does a salesperson gain a perspective? Because you can't just come and shake hands and, and that's it. Like you actually have to stimulate the brain, right? And have a conversation. What is a perspective? I, I don't know I, if that, that question makes I, sense. It's so, I think it does, if I hear correctly. But And I think... I know how I do this. I don't know how everybody does it. But to me before, if I go like Andres, your point, I know I knew I, there was like six people for sure. I definitely wanted to meet. So I have to do research. Like, who are they as a person? Where are they going to be? Like uh, a great example is Alan Alford. I've always wanted to meet him. And he posted months ago that he was going to be hosting fireside chats at the W and anyone was welcome to come over and shake hands. A week before RSA, he posted something that said, 
I told you guys where I was going to be multiple times. Why are you guys still sending me DMs saying, hey, I'd love to connect. Where are you going to be or where's, where's a good time and place, right? Um, so do your research, figure out what people are going to be up to, and then try and understand them as much as you can as, as a human and just look at their background. Right? Where, where, where did you grow up? You said you were in government work. Okay, so what does that mindset mean if that's where you started your career? Because a lot of times you can figure out a lot about how people think and how they behave or might potentially behave based on just stuff you can find on a quick 10 minute scan of, the, of a LinkedIn profile if they're on LinkedIn or whatever. Understand the company at a high level and what they do and what maybe some challenges would be and what type of CISO may be supporting that type of organization, right? If it's a startup-y, really cool stuff, maybe that's your build mode versus somebody that's maybe in healthcare and is focused more on compliance. So understand what might be like important um, and then look and see who they know that you know. And always leverage that as much as you possibly can. Because if I can get Danny know somebody, and if I say, Danny, I'd really like to meet this person, is it possible to garnish an introduction while we're at the at the convention? That's a lot easier for somebody like you to say, okay, I know Danny. She seems so cool. And she's and she seems to think Maria's okay. Let's let's have a quick chat. So that's the approach that I would take with any of this, whether I'm at a conference or not. Um, but at conference in person. I don't think I told anybody where I even like what I do. I just Maria with Newspire, we're an MSSP. What are you here doing? <laughs> so like also cool it on the pitches. It's not a time to make a pitch. It's a time to make a relationship and a human connection. Does If that makes sense. Did that answer your question, Danny? It did. It did. I, I like the pragmatic advice there. That's we're all about that. Uh, Andres, do you have any kind of, um, you know, comments to, to add to that or in terms of opinions and perspectives and how to get that going? Uh, I think, Maria, you you are spot on. And I was sort of chuckling listening to you because you almost described. So I did start my career in federal law enforcement and you almost described how a, an investigation takes place. Right. You have to do your recon. You have to surveil. Right. You do you figure out as much information as you can about the targets, their behavioral patterns. You know, do they have weapons in a facility that you're going to go, you know, kick a door down and all that. And that builds a profile so that you go in with as much intimate knowledge as possible. The worst thing you can do is walk up to me and look at the tag that says where I work and go, oh, what do you do? Dude, <laughs> like, just get, get, get away. Right. Like, <laughs> if you want to talk to me, understand something about me before you you know, just kind of walk up to me and it's a different dynamic, right? Cause I, right there, you just kind of turned it all off. And, but if you come up and you already know some stuff, first of all, you got my curiosity because I'm like, Oh, so you stalking me or you did research? Like either way, either way, good for you. You, you know, you, you know, your target. Right. And so it's just a different dynamic, but I, I like the way you described it. Well, and it's almost like anything else you would do, right? Like if somebody comes up to me on the soccer field with my kids and says, Hey, do you guys play baseball? Why would you start with that? Like I'm at the soccer field. Like let's let's go with what we know and what we might be able to strike up a conversation on. It's just it's like it's like anything else. And I think the other thing is is there's too many people that see human beings as just another way to hit their quota instead of seeing them as like human beings. So yeah. like if you start the dialogue with the um I want to make a human connection with you. And yeah, maybe you can help me later on down the road. I just had a conversation with a CISO because I'm trying to figure out how to use AI to help my thing. And I don't know how to do it. And I pinged him because he's really into this stuff and he's willing to help me figure out how I could potentially leverage some of that stuff or if it even makes sense, right? So 
so building on those relationships and then when something happens and maybe MSSP services are on your roadmap, because that's the other thing, if they're not on your roadmap, my guess is you're not going to buy them. So let's not waste time with pitches, right? Mm -hmm. But when it does get on your roadmap, if we've built a, a level of trust and you've done enough research on my company to see that you know we're okay and we seem to be doing a good job, then you tell me when you're ready. And it's a very easy and natural relationship from there. And it's not even selling at that point is educating and walking through a process, if that makes sense. But, but that, that you just touched on a super important point. This is me as a, on the buying side. If I wanted your product, I would have already done my research and, you know, I would have reached out for us to talk because it's not like I don't know what I'm doing. I know what I need. The worst thing you can do, especially coming with these fucking rude questions, uh, they'll send you a couple emails. Oh, so since you don't care about security, you know, can you point me to somebody? Dude, I do this for a living. Like, you know, <laughs> shut the fuck up and t take that, you know, nickel dying psychology somewhere else. That does not work here. And so, you know, you, you have to understand that there's, there's a level of tact and human relationship. For instance, let's say you and I establish a relationship right here. And I go, oh, yeah, you know, Maria made some sensible comments, this and that. That'll stay in the back of my mind. I may not need your product right now. And three companies later, I may. And I'll be like, oh, she was cool. You know, we can talk, right? Mm -hmm. But see, to me, that's far more genuine mm -hmm. than Much. you coming up and going, oh, wow, what an impressive career you've had. You want to buy my product? Because my best <laughs> implementation can solve all your fucking problems. Get the fuck out. Like, it's you are 100% secure now, I promise. Yeah. Um, well, and the other thing too, though, is when you do it this way, what I found is, because I still have leaders that I have to uh, deal with, right? And they're like, what's your pipeline? What's your forecast? Blah, blah, blah. What I found though, is my my forecast can be super tight. And I can also ask for favors by the time I do, I am working in a sales process. And I can just be transparent and say, hey, it's end of quarter, you're moving forward. How do I, is there anything, I've helped you this much. Is there anything you can do to help me get it in? So I hit my quarterly bonus or whatever the case may be. And it's no longer, it's no longer sales tactics of, well, if you sign by the end of the month, I'll give you a 20% discount, but that goes away in the next month. And I'll like, it's so stupid. Like it's, what do I have to do to get this done as soon as humanly possible? And now because we've established a human relationship, you understand that I have things that I'm trying to do for my career. You can just freaking ask directly. What mm. is it to, like? You know, what is it going to take? And it's so much easier than trying to play Jedi mind games. May the may the fourth be with you, by the way. And and it's and it's just such an easier, more just it's just easier <laughs> than, than all the other stuff. I, I, there's a reality to understanding the way things work on our end. And now I, I'm going to qualify this before I even say it. Put aside the ivory tower. CISOs that have endless budgets and teams of 500. The rest of us mere mortals have very limited budgets. And it's not like I have a, you know, a $500,000 buffer in Q4 to just, you know, throw it out at something. And, you know, if I don't use it, I lose it. In the real world, it doesn't work that way. Like I said, unless you work for one of those firms, which, you know, those people, that, that's a different breed of animal, even though we all have the same title. So, you know, you have to understand that timing matters, right? Like if you if you get my attention to solve a real problem and it makes sense to me and you catch me at the right time of the year when I'm psych, you know, I'm on the next budget cycle for next year, you have a chance of getting in. If you think you're gonna get in, for instance, this year, once my budget's already established, there's no way. Even if I need mm -hmm. your product, I just don't have the money. The budget's already, you know. Uh, designed, lined up, and probably used. So 
that's just reality. And that's why that relationship capital goes such a long way because you'll be top of mind yep. when, when you're going to start when evaluating something happens. things. Yeah. 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 Um, Tracy just said something in the chat about uh, our back to the RSA stuff. Um, it's a total pitch show. Um, I had I had I have my thoughts on that because I got pitched also uh, as an attendee, but I'd love to hear kind of Danny and Andreas what your thoughts were on some of the pitches that you did here. So I, I will touch on this in this. I this is it's a beautiful segue um, because this is a huge miss, and I wanted to talk about hits and misses on on the okay. show floor or just in general at the at the show. Um, you know, from my perspective, coming in on the marketing side, right? I've uh, been mar in marketing for quite a while. I, I was just blown away with the fact that the marketers who were staffing the booth could not articulate what they did in simple terms. I, I was actually open to it. Like, tell me what you do. Yes. And I was blown away that they could not tell me what they do, why they do it, how they do it, and for whom. For whom was the prime. I mean, I think that's a huge disservice to the marketing community that works for vendors. And I'm I'm still trying to figure out why there's such a huge gap in training those folks and, and, and just relying on the SEs. Like I just, I, I know that I had a lot of access to materials and I was curious enough to nudge and hound everybody to understand what, what it is, why, you know, get all the material I need to, to be enabled. But I, that just blew me away. I, I'm going to, Go ahead, Maria. I'll, I'll no, go. I feel like you're gonna fucking unleash yourself. Oh yeah, there's, 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 there's some heat coming on that one because because you're you're touching upon something that is a fundamental problem with this yes. entire industry. First of all, this entire industry, from a knowledge and skill set perspective, has deteriorated to a point of pure disgust to people like me. Wow. There was a time in this industry when you had to know your shit to be good. Mm -hmm. Now, it is just unbelievable the the stuff that i run across you just sit there and you're like what did you like watch a youtube video and weasel your way into a position somehow and all of a sudden you have this title and you so those marketers i can't even blame them right yeah because a marketers are now talking to people with these fluffy titles mm -hmm. that can't even ask a challenging question back because mm -hmm. they don't know they don't know anything they don't understand anything except concepts right? yes and so now, all of a sudden, you run into someone like me who can actually talk to you at a TCP flag level if I wanted to because I've actually designed and written code for networking products. You think one of those ivory tower type CISOs is going to have the same type of conversation as me? No. So they don't even ask the difficult questions. So marketers and, and sales engineers, by the way, as well, don't even have to have a level of depth that someone like me would consider valuable because the yeah. target audience that they mostly deal with are absolutely, I hate to say it this way, clueless. And so, you know, but, and by, mind you, it's something that's impacted the entire industry because now what are considered a secu security professionals of today, to me, are users of products. Doesn't mean you understand much of anything. It just means you know how to use a particular product. And to me, that's a deterioration of this entire industry. I couldn't right? agree more. And so, well, yeah, go ahead. No, no, keep going. No, like, look, I, I was in pen testing before everyone and their grandmother was, okay? I wrote a book on pen testing in 2005. It got published in 2006. Back then, you had to know your stuff. You had to do your stuff manually, right? If I touched upon tools in my book, it was to 
reinforce a point that I was making of knowledge that you had to have. I've met pen testers in today's world that literally, if you take their tool sets away, are useless. Useless. Yeah. And so that right there tells you that the industry is at this, to me, a point in crisis because the, the knowledge is just kind of disappearing. Yeah. Right. It's almost like there there's not enough of people understanding the, like the basic guiding principles, like the big overarching guiding principles. And instead of focusing on the one or two things way down here that they can use for whatever they're doing. But if you don't understand this, you can't do this effectively regardless, because what happens when the tool sets change? So I think that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, look, I, look, at the end of the day, it is legitimately a fundamental problem. Well, it is, but but also not just the tech and just because before you go on here, Andres, it's not just the practitioners, though, because I um, listen, if I'm a if I'm a technical, if I'm a seller in a technical industry or whatever the industry is, and I can't speak about five inches deep about all of the things that may or may not be applicable to my client's environment, what am what what how do what am I doing? Like you need to be we also I mean, and that's not that's on like in. And most companies will give you training, but no, my company does not give me technical deep training. They give me sales training. I have to do the technical training on my own, using right. my network, using resources so that I can be better when I'm on a call. So that when you ask me a question, I don't sound like a freaking idiot 99% of the time going, oh, I have to choose that one down. So, I can't tell you the countless times in my career that I've heard this. Oh, nobody's ever asked me that. And I sit there and I'm like, Really? Like that just tells me the people that they've dealt with either don't care, so they won't bother asking or just don't know. Right now yeah. you could granted, you could be telling me that the same way somebody goes, Oh, that's a great question. You know, that's a whole crack of shit, right? They're just trying to make you feel better about your question. You could be telling me that to make myself, to make me feel good or whatever. But I think legitimately watching the way they ask, they, they say that to me, I think legitimately they've never been questioned at that level mm. where you, you say now, Listen, you know, you, you came to a gunfight with a knife, right? And and then what what's the next? Oh, I'll go get one of my engineers. They'll be, you know, it's like, well, then we just you wasted, lost trust, right? We you just lost, wasted time yeah. here. I will say though, I I'm pretty good. There's not too many questions that I get asked with an SE on the phone that I have to be quiet because it's not not my place to answer. They want to hear the technical person, but I can usually answer 99% of them. But if I do hear something I haven't heard, I will just be honest and say, you know, I've been doing this here at 11 years and that is a weird one. I haven't, I don't have the foggiest <laughs> idea. I'll have to go chase it. But they're usually like, somebody wanted to know what language our developers write in. And I was like, what, why? I, mean, I'm a, I didn't, I didn't understand. I was like, that's, that's a weird one. Um, see, that I had to go chase. But it that, does, that and it does matter. Because it that's does a question matter. I would ask. Exactly. And now I know the answer. So good. it's good. But you're never gonna. I mean, I think it's. It, there is gonna be stuff as as even technical, more technical salespeople. You just don't get those types of questions all the time, so you're gonna have to chase them. I also think to Danny's point, one of the things I at RSA specifically, I didn't. I was surprised because I remember seeing in years past a lot of like buzzword bingo and all the acronyms and all that kind of stuff, um, and I didn't feel like I saw a ton of of that. Um, there was some, but I didn't feel like there was a ton. I saw more very confusing, like slogans, like no context, like, and it was super, con like they were super confusing. And so if that is how the company's trying to message it, no wonder their freaking teams in the booth can't articulate what they do in simple. hundred percent. 
I found like, one. That's a huge problem. I found one on the street and I intentionally went to look for the booth, which by the way, the booth didn't have that slogan. So it <laughs> took me a while to look for the little tiny logo because it was in the, the tunnel. And I asked the lady, I said, what does this mean? Tell me. And she said, come look at my product. I said, I don't want to look at your product. Just tell me in like a sentence what it means. And so she had to tell me what it kind of meant based on how the product work. And I think that is so counter counterproductive, but I, I won't bash here. Yes, I, I don't think it's her fault. I just think there's a huge gap in expectation, delivery, uh, enablement of folks on, on the booth. The, there's just a lot of problems. But some of them are dangerous. Yeah. Like I, I ended up writing a blog from one of my experiences at this RSA because this person walked up to me and she literally said to me, our compliance solution will make your organization more secure. And I, I almost lost my shit. I was like... How the hell does a compliance solution make me more secure? Really explain this to me because I've been dealing with this for a long time. So I ended up doing a whole blog on that subject alone because you I got to read it totally compliant and look at Uber. And that's secure. Uber has every compliance certification on the planet and look at how many breaches they've had. Being compliant does not make you secure. You can be secure and not be compliant, right? You know, but my point is, had I, not had as much experience as I have that that statement of hers might have appealed to me and I would have walked down a path that is misleading in my opinion so I have a problem with stuff like that because to me that's dangerous because you take mm -hmm. somebody with less experience or less mm -hmm. knowledge and they'll fall for that yeah I think another big um I want to go back to the point of being treated like a human we we kind of started talking about it um versus a badge scan or a number and I know that a lot of folks who have been in this industry for a long time, who have been on the floor for a long time, have thick skin. I took it personally when I wasn't listened to and treated like a, a badge scan. Like I, I, I approached a couple booths and I didn't even get a word out. Do you have any questions? I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, hi, my name's Danny. What's your name? <laughs> and he didn't even say his name. He's like, let me know if you have any questions. I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck you do. Like, and second of all, second of all, I'm not a qualified buyer. I said, I am not a qualified buyer. Okay, let me, let me, let me scan your badge just in case. I'm like, okay, but please don't email me. I will opt out very fast and I'll be very upset. And I checked my phone. I, I'm just getting an influx of emails. Intentionally, I let people scan my badge after saying, please don't email me, make note. And nobody listened with the exception of one vendor, one who actually wrote back, and this is a shout out to Wallarm. The product head of product marketing there said, thanks, thanks for stopping by our booth at RSA. I've been following you for a while. I'm betting you did not stop by to talk about API security. Hopefully we didn't just stare at your badge and launch into our pitch but maybe it makes sense for us to have a conversation about your services sometime. That was beautiful. Yes. One out of 622, Thousands. because I went to 622 booths. I didn't scan, get scanned at 620, thank God. But I felt like violated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I just want you Danny, to know my name. <laughs> Danny, listen, RSAC, listen, RSAC 2024 training. You ready? 
when they say, do you have any questions? You say, yes. What size t-shirts do you have? <laughs> I don't even That's ask. It. I just take it. <laughs> Yo, give me a large. Did you really go to 622 booths? She did yes. for three. Oh, she was so good. dedicated for three days. It was like, I, she so, made me tired. Wow. Shout out, shout out to those listening or update to those listening. Uh, and shout out to George Kamidi, who mm -hmm. worked with me to actually, George, okay, George took half of the floor. So I actually went to 311. Um, we are doing a buzzword bingo analysis. We're, we're analyzing all the vendor booth messaging and showing the gap between buyer expectation, what is actually on the floor, uh, and also mapped against buzzword bingo, bingo cards. So we're going to launch a, a big uh, nasty report. No, it's going to be a really great report um, that's just going to show all the issues that we're seeing between buyer expectation and vendor messaging and and, and execution. So uh, hopefully it'll help um, lower the hype, improve and optimize what vendors are doing. Hopefully, again, utopian thinking, but we can cross our fingers here. Anyway, what are some other uh, good examples or hits that you saw that were that resonated with you uh, at RSA? You want to go first, Maria? Yeah, I I liked what um, some some vendors were actually like sponsoring, like more folks like like you, Danny, or uh, other kind of influencer type people that have podcasts and are kind of well known in the community offsite in hotels and suites and lobbies. Um, and then they would have their brand up and it was kind of a, they were doing podcasts every 30 minutes or 15 minutes or something like that. But then in between those pods, anybody was welcome to come in, shake hands, say hi. Um, and there was like, I, I can't remember if there was swag. There's definitely cocktails in a few of them. So you could get a cocktail or whatever, which That's is also because, nice. It's because Bottles of that reason you don't remember. Yeah, that's probably, you're probably right. There's bottles of water. There was like nuts, stuff to oh, eat yeah, so that, yeah. you know, you're like, I don't know about you guys, but I was freaking starving because anywhere you tried to go eat, if you didn't have plans, it was like a two hour wait for a burrito. It was crazy. Um, so I kind of thought that that, if, you know, that was something I brought up where I was like, well, that would be something I would, I would rather do that than my company's not a big company. I don't have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So an after party or dinner doesn't make sense for us because I won't stand out or be able to compete amongst the noise. And I don't think it'd be valuable to anybody because there's already a thousand of those things. There's like, you could go to five of them a night. I like that idea of finding somebody and supporting what they're doing to help the community, sponsor them to have this area. Um, you're not selling anything, you're not pitching anything, but your brand is there and it's associated with people that are generally good people in the in the overall ecosystem. So I, that was one takeaway I thought was pretty unique when I saw a couple of those. So real quick, Tracy just made a comment that that I love. The worst is anyone, anyone that says they have a 100% secure product. I'm a New Yorker. Absolute bullshit. Right off the bat. We're done. Conversation's over. So you know what I really appreciated was Broadcast Alley. I thought the conversations that were taking place there during those interview sessions were far, mm -hmm. far more insightful and thoughtful than some of the sessions that were presented. Because wow. they were real. Yes, exactly. That's the was, They I were mean. authentic. They were yes. real. Yes. It wasn't, hey, look at me. I'm on stage. This is my title. This is the company I work for. I have no idea what I'm saying. Have you ever listened to a session and you walk away 45 minutes later and you go, that person spoke for 45 minutes. I have no idea what they said. Yes. Oh, yeah. It yeah. happens. But at, at Broadcast Alley, I hung around there for a little bit. And 
Wow, there were some really good sessions, which, by the way, Danny, you need to be there. Okay, I had a big flop. Let's not get into it because she might cry. My co host might taser me from across the country. So, anyway, I didn't mean to to hit a sore point. No, you're good. After seeing this, because this is my first one of these, you would be perfect in that setting. And Mm -hmm. so, note to self check. I thought those conversations were just, well, Maria used the correct word real and authentic and i i appreciated those um and you could even do topical ones right so this this 15 minute pod with this CISO, we're going to talk about generative ai because that's a thing or and then the next one we're going to talk about blah 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 whatever um and you just cycle through and if you're but, somebody i think that's awesome yeah but but i i guess what i'm trying to say i i felt those conversations were not the speaker for instance trying to show how smart or brilliant mm. they are nobody gives a shit like mm-hmm. they were talking about real issues mm-hmm. that impact the majority of us in this industry. You know, I think once somebody gets up on stage in front of two or 300 people, it's just such a different dynamic, right? Now you're not trying to add value. You're just trying to make yourself look a certain way, mm-hmm. whatever, like, uh, you know, but I thought broadcast alley was really a really positive part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Me too. All there right. Was a few- Tracy yeah. asked which which booth uh, stood out the most. I had a few Tracy that I, I thought were unique. One of them I liked because I thought it was creative was a company called Uptics. They had, so, did you see that one, Danny, or was that George's? I don't remember. Yeah, I got a cape for my daughter, so she was pretty <laughs> excited. They they just did some, their swag wasn't just junk. It was actually sourced from a local like comic book store around the corner, a small mom and pop shop or something like that. And then they had um, this nerd wall with really cool like yeah. prizes and you could spin this wheel and you only got one spin for your badge swipe. But what I thought was unique about like, they really kind of thought outside of the box. Um, if you wanted another chance at the wheel. And again, there was like PlayStation, there was all sorts of sweet stuff in this, in this prize wall. You had to agree to sit down for 10 minutes with them in a separate area that they had to sit down and just learn about their company. You had to agree to do that and you got another spin. And I, I've not seen that before. So I kind of thought it was unique and creative in terms of getting people to engage with you while in the booth and then making sure um, that they've got the right people to be able to have the conversation. It wasn't people that were one inch deep. They were able to actually get into the weeds on the technical stuff if they needed to. So I liked that one. Yeah, that was, nice. that's my, that was my two cents. I, I will add on for Uptics. Um, one critique is the cold coffee. Make sure it's coffee and not jet fuel because that was strong <laughs> shit. Jittery. I was so jittery. That was some strong shit. And maybe that was intentional because I was run, running on fumes by that point that I was when I hit their booth. But um, I, to be honest, like for me, I don't. I you know there were some cool ones that I saw, and you know from my eyes, I like I like branding, I like artwork, and all that kind of stuff. I, I think there are ones that were very beautiful. But to me, the booths that stood out the most were were the booths that where I knew people and I really liked those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, you know, that was what resonated with me. And that's why I remember those booths, not because of something particular that was flashy or something like that. But uh, so but I will save it for the the analysis because I want you all to read it. To come back and read that. So I did, but I, I hit the floor a little differently than most people. Uh, you know, there's this funny moment as you walk by any booth where if you make eye contact long enough, they try to suck you in, Oof. right? 
So I have this little technique where <laughs> I know how to walk, <laughs> use the peripheral on both to see which, which vendors are which, and I just keep walking. And nobody tries to pull me in. It's the funniest thing. I, I do it all the time. It's hysterical. And so I know who I want to talk to before I go there, right? So I, I'm not looking to have endless conversations. I get bombarded with endless emails and calls as it is. I just don't... I'm past that point in my career, yeah. in my life. So yeah. I just, you know, I go to the exact booths that I I like to, you know, that I know I need to speak to. But what I like to do is go to the early stage, the innovative companies. I think they do 20 companies now. It used to be like eight. That's where, to me, it's a little more fun because you, 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 you kind of get a, a good sense of where these companies are early in their journey. And I've been there, so I can appreciate that stage. Um, I just find those conversations to be more real because you're talking about technical problems that they're trying to solve. They don't even have a product to sell you just yet, most likely. And they're excited. And they're excited. Yes, yes, they're at that point where, you know, I'm not trying to hit a quota. I am trying to talk about a technology problem. Most likely the founder is right there. And I find those conversations far more dynamic and, and just enjoyable. You mentioned technology problem, and I want to noodle on this one for a little bit. Technology problem, huge. And we, we talked about it a little bit at RSA itself. Um, you know, I was speaking with, I was speaking to some folks, some buyers uh, about integration problems, about, you know, saturation of tools, about, you know, we talked about defense in depth, but there are still a lot of issues with integration, with, with tools talking to each other because they're competitors, with... Uh, tools and different products or product lines not talking to each other within the same, you know, company. So can we un unravel that a little bit and, and like talk about what is the main pain there for you with regards to, to issues like that? So the most overt pain is that I don't need to go to 25 dashboards to get a collective set of results for my entire ecosystem. And the problem is that a lot of these products sell point solutions. They solve a specific problem and they give you a dashboard to represent their data, mm -hmm. not realizing that that is entirely disjointed to someone like in my shoes, where my ecosystem is pretty big and complex. So all of a sudden, yeah, I'm interested in the way you solve this problem. But, you know, for instance, when I'm getting ready to present metrics to the board, I have to go to like, I don't know how many dashboards before I can get something meaningful. 20. That is use. That's, that's painful. Right. And I think a lot of vendors, product vendors ha haven't come to terms with that because they're busy solving their own, you know, building their own solution to what they perceive to be your problem. But what I just mentioned is a problem in and of itself. Right. The, that, that unionization of results from all these disparate tools is a, is a gap that exists in this industry, like none other. And now if you're, like I said, if your ecosystem is large and complex enough, let's say you have, you know, whatever, 15 decent sized tools to play, that's 15 dashboards that you're going to go look at. Yeah. That's not effective. I feel like, I mean, is there not some kind of solution for this? I mean, it I've, feels kind of. Yeah. I've talked to a few. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've talked to a few people that claim they have solutions and I, I've, I've seen a couple that seem promising. But I can't tell you that I've run across anything yet that I'll go, I will buy that right now because it solves my problem. Maria, so. you wanted to mention something with the hand raise and the No, the you're duck. like, who, who, who can solve, solve for that? And I'm like, we're starting to be able to, but I'm going to go sign down here and we'll talk about that later. But, 
Um, that is a huge problem though. And I think that's something that when you start thinking about the saturation of the market and all of these point product solutions, it's gotten so bad in the last 10 years because there's mm -hmm. 47 things that all solve for the same thing. Um, and they all don't play well with each other. So yeah. like, it would be great if like, there could be a group of them that would make friendships that allowed for APIs into one another so that you could put all the things into a thing and, and call it a day. But um, so, yeah, an another, another key point, because you, you just triggered it, Maria. Um, you can have the greatest solution on the planet. If I already have one, it's very difficult to uproot it. No matter yeah, how much, change. like no matter how much I may like what you've built, it's not as simple as you coming in here wowing me and I go, oh, I'll get rid of them tomorrow, right? There's a contract, there's a depreciation cycle. There, there are all kinds of challenges. Like as a salesperson, I think it's unrealistic for you to expect your superior product to just be able to uproot anything, right? Um, I just wanted to throw that out there because you said something that kind of triggered that. Well, and it's also ridiculous to, as a salesperson, assume that the product is superior. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where it's at on the quadrant. That None of that stuff matters. Is, is the one that you're using solving the problem that it went out to solve, then yours is no different, no better, and not special, period. Wait, they're not all special? No, they're not. Oh, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that I'm not a product company. I'm a services company, so we use all the products. So I don't, we don't care what products people are using. Is it solving the problem? Perfect. Wait, you mean if not find one that is? You, you mean you you wouldn't give away a trophy for thirteenth place? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm reading some comments um, here. Whoa, whoa, it's blowing up. Okay, we have a lot of the questions. other thing. One other thing I'll say about the booth before you do the questions. Yeah. I found there was a couple of booths that I walked into and they were live streaming something. Oh. Like the Mar whoever was in there was like live streaming. And then they would be like, and I can't, I'm not paint, like, there's a lot of input coming at you at these shows. So I don't see the camera, right? Like I didn't see it. And they would be like, oh, we're about to go live. Can you get out of the frame? <laughs> what? <laughs> like you, the whole point is to fucking bring people into the booth. And now you tell me to get, I, I get out of here. <laughs> I don't that, that. That was like, I was, I think, I don't know who I was with. I think my, my colleague, Mike, but I looked at him and I was like, that was confusing to me. Yeah. <laughs> that was, and they happened like two or three times. So that was the only other thing I thought was really weird this year. Yeah is where people were choosing to do that and how they were going to like, how that impacted tr traffic. All right. We have a question. I don't know by who, cause I can't see on the LinkedIn, but I can see it here in uh, our streaming device. Uh, what are your thoughts on the need to play the same game as the biggest vendors following their lead and speaking in their language? They do. Um, no, I would say that. Um, but I know a concern I hear is that if we don't have some, the, some level of alignment, we may be seen as too unique to be valuable, viable. The risk of trailblazing being excluded as too unique or not the right base feature set, not possible to get third-party analyst references, etc. That confuses me a little bit, but um, aligning with big vendors, should we, should we not? So if your target audience is the type that will rely on uh, Gartner magic quadrant, you better be aligned mm. because otherwise you'll have no chance. I'm not saying I agree with that target yes. audience, but I am saying that that target audience exists. And in a lot of the ma larger corporations, they do rely on those type of analysts uh, data points to make their decisions. So that's one, mm. two, I, having, having lived the startup journey to exit in a target in a market that kind of was in its infancy and didn't even exist. 
I can tell you that it's challenging to try to talk to those buyers, those potential buyers, because you just don't exist. Or, or they may even see you as so niche that they don't even understand what, you know, what area, what, it, you know, what segment of this industry you play in, right? Or like, are you an NG firewall? Are you an industrial firewall? Are you, a, you know, like all those questions start to come to play. So I think the analyst reports add a little clarity for some people, but if you want to compete for that target market, unfortunately, and I, I don't like what I'm saying, I'm just giving you the, the truth. You have to play in that space. You have to show up on those charts. Because like, for instance, I guarantee you, whatever solution you have, you go try to sell it at Wall Street and you don't exist on a Gartner Magic Quadrant, they're not even going to talk to you. Well, you shouldn't be trying to sell at Wall Street at that point. Oh, hey, you <laughs> know, you got to go for broke, right? <laughs> yeah. You got to aim big here. Well, well, there's something to be said about making sure you understand how mature you are, uh, like as as to who you should be servicing and aligning to as well, right? So I think, but I do agree with you entirely, Andreas, like um, sometimes it doesn't, even if you do have a unique differentiator, that's something that is unique to your company. That's not maybe what you lead with. That's maybe like two or three conversations down the road and say, oh, by the way, we also have this, it's a little bit different from this thing or whatever. But to me, if you want to get your foot in the door and you're not one of the 800 pound gorillas and they just say, well, how do you compare to Sentinel one? We do the same thing they do. We're the same thing. That's it. We, we're, we're just like that. <laughs> just get even and then differentiate, I think, is the name of the game. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that's the other thing, too, that obviously they have people with larger brand presence have a lot easier time. A lot of times getting in the door just because of what the brand is and the reputation where there's smaller companies that are just as good and maybe even better that that can't even have that first conversation because no one knows who they are. So if you get the conversation as a smaller organization, get even is my advice and then differentiate yeah. after that. Yeah, value add, right? Mm -hmm. if you, if you can yeah. show any value add at all. I can tell you that that would pique my interest. For instance, I I went into an environment. They had a major sim in place, major, expensive, and it was not really doing what the company needed. So I got rid of it and I replaced mm -hmm. it with something that is far more effective, lesser known name, but far more effective. But it, it but but those are those are difficult projects. I'm not trying to trivialize. Mm -hmm. them, you know, you got to have what I call the testicular fortitude to take those, ta you know, to tackle those projects because a lot of people, no, it's true. A lot of people will look at those projects and be like, wow, that's going to hurt. It's going to cost. I don't have time. Da, da, da. I try to do what's right for an environment. And so uh, to me, even though you're a big player, you may not be meeting the need of an organization. Like, I don't care what your name is, but. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're headed toward the end, towards the end of time. I mean, we could go all day. I'm happy to do part two, by the way, if you guys are up for that. But um, yes, before before we head off to our day, uh, is there anything you'd like to impart on the audience today before we go? Yeah. Ladies first. You go first. No, 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 ladies. First. Okay. All right. I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't know about lady, but okay. okay. Um, <laughs> what would I like to impart? I think. I think the biggest thing is as it pertains to RSA and the experience that I had there, here's what I can tell you. I got to meet people for the first time in person that I've only known virtually, Danny being one of them, a bunch of other awesome, awesome folks that have kind of formed this really tight friendship like that I wake up to 65 missed text messages from on, on, on the daily now. Um, and it's and it's become a place where it's a safe place for us to bounce ideas off of each other. But 
it wouldn't have happened without meeting each other. So when you have the opportunity to go to these things, reach out to the people you've networked with and try and build that community. I think that was a huge takeaway for me. Um, I think to Andrea's point, the, the, the buyers aren't at the floor. So take the floor with some dude, you know, do it. You need to experience it, especially if you've never been to kind of understand what that's about, but do the research as to where the people that you're trying to get in front of are most likely going to be and come correct with a reason for them to want to engage with you as a human. Um, that would be the second thing. And the third thing is don't be afraid as people, and this is for the sellers in the room, don't be afraid to use your network and ask for help. Like, Hey, you're going where? Holy cow. It would be awesome if, if there was a way that I could get invited to that. I will be quiet. I won't try and sell anything. I just want to get in front of these people and get to know them. Don't be afraid to ask that. And if you're not an asshole, most likely people will say, sure, let me see what I can do. Um, so also when you go to these things, be nice. Don't over drink. Don't get drunk and be a sloppy fool. There was a lot of that I saw that was kind of disheartening. Um, and don't be a dick. And then, and then when you get back, you're going to have relationships that are going to help with, uh, you know, all of the things that you're trying to do in your own career as a seller. That's what I would say. I, I, I want to echo all of that. Um, and Andres, I'll let you have the last word here, but I do want to echo on and ride that wave there. Come ready to ask lots of, lots of questions because there's so much value in having, uh, a feedback session or an interview or just extracting as much insight as possible in person versus virtually, like in these kinds of sessions. I've been doing this for over a year now virtually. And RSA was my the first time I actually really got to go and have uh, feedback sessions or ask questions in person and being able to kind of read the room, read body language, just have deeper connections in person is so much different than doing it virtually. So you get so much insight in person versus virtually. I'd say any marketer, salesperson, and even practitioner come with open-ended questions come ready to soak up information you know jot it down on your or use voice memo to to remember what was said and and go like don't skip it go to rsa go to these events i i almost like i was like no i hate san francisco i don't want to go to rsa and then chris was like no you have to fucking go i'm like okay well okay. and that's why i missed broadcast alley because i didn't know all those things that i didn't even look at rsa i was like oh, no way it was the best decision of my life to go because it changed things up so dramatically and now like i'm thinking about audience first in a different light i'm thinking about the way i interview in a di different light and and so just just go Love it. First of all, I want to send a shout out to my friend Avi, who just made a comment there. Haven't haven't interacted in a while, but love the dude. So, Danny, first of all, had you not gone, we would have never met. So that would be a problem. So I appreciate you being there. Um, look, that's what it's all about. You go to these things and understand before going what you want to get out of it. Right. Like. For me, I make sure my calendar while I'm there is literally jam-packed because otherwise, what's the point of, you know, incurring the expense and taking the time to go there? I make sure I meet plenty of new people, right? Have what I consider to be meaningful conversations. And for the love of all that is sacred, if you don't have something good to say, don't get on a fucking stage and start talking. Just shut the fuck up and let somebody with depth of value and value get on a stage. Like, seriously. I, listen, I spoke on a panel not too long ago where one of the other panelists, as the takeaway, you know what he said? Yeah, cybersecurity is strong executive leadership. That's your fucking takeaway? Like, 
I, I, and this this is a person with a really high end title for a high end company, and I, I thought, wow, this guy's gonna drop some serious, you know, knowledge. That was what he said. I, I just sat there and I was like, okay. Anyway, go there, jam pack your schedule, put yourself out there, meet tons of people. I'd hope you don't get as drunk as what Maria encountered because that just doesn't lead to anything good. But whatever, if that's your thing, go for it. Like, Danny, I drink about 16 shots of espresso a day, so I got to go find that booth you were talking about. <laughs> nothing is drunk. I'm sure, In my Alicia, country, Alicia would be happy hard. to hook you up with the brand name. <laughs> it was strong. <laughs> so that, that's my advice. I mean, just make, you know, make a, make a freaking week out of it. And, but, but come away with something, right? New people new experiences, new knowledge, right? Some vendors are solving some really good problems and they're doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. You should learn from those. So yeah. I think I, I think there's still value in, yeah. in going. Yeah. Well, and then ride the wave too, because like you said, Andreas, if you wouldn't have gone, you wouldn't have met Danny. But if neither of you would have gone, I wouldn't have met you. So it, and then it continues right. and this thing continues and, and, the, and the wave keeps going. So it's good. And if anything, you know, you come home with some pretty cool swag. I'm rocking bare, bare knuckles and brass tacks right here. Nice. I'm rocking some Sentra socks right I here. I love it. I, you know, I came home. I came home and my wife's like, what the hell am I going to do with all these socks? God, I'm going to dye so many socks. Hey, so, you, saved, you saved some shopping money. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm ready. I'm good for half a year. Got pajamas, shirts, everything. Lightsabers. Lightsabers which I wanted to bring on the call today. I don't know where they are. Anyway, um, appreciate all of you. Thank you for joining. You're always welcome to the show. We can do a part two if you want. Uh, folks, if you want a part two, drop that in the comments. We'll figure it out. And worst comes to worst, we could just riff on some cool uh, tactics and shitty tactics too. So that's always fun as well. Um, thank you so much again. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Danny. This was fun. And Andreas, it was so nice to meet you. Yeah, great meeting you. Great seeing you again, Danny. And thanks for having me. Uh, and, and for all the people that are commenting out there, that, that was uh, nice and interactive. I like it. Yeah, me too. Thanks for everybody that came to the live. I love that Danny switched these into the, into the live format. I think it's super valuable. Amazing. All right. This has been another episode of Audience First. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.